Welcome to New Jump City, everybody, where we recap the week in American and Japanese sequential art. I am your host, Christian, the unbiased king. Still no soundboard. <laughs> I'm still figuring that out. I'm very sorry. Um, but uh, also joining me today, it is my the man, the myth, the legend, my partner in crime. It is the tank top sage. It's Joshua Gangs the Time Go. Josh? Are you muted? Josh? Hello? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was muted on a different screen. That's oh. crazy. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, dude. I know. I'm right. it's hard. I wish I would send you a screenshot, but it's not that serious. I was I was unmuted on Discord, but I was muted on like the iPhone Discord thing. Oh. Yeah, that's weird. Shit. All right. That's all right, bud. But you're here. Um, uh, Brian is not here right now uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. Uh, the Edgelord Big News Brian couldn't make it this time, but uh, we'll have some we'll have some thoughts relayed from him uh, later on. But uh, yeah, we uh, we got a very short week this week, so uh, we're gonna tackle our uh, mains this week, which is basically three series. And uh, we're going to get into some questions from the crowd that are long overdue. But uh, until then, uh, let's uh, not waste any time. Let's get some plugs going. Uh, you can find me at the Chris Espinal on Twitter and Instagram. Joshua Cole, where can they find you? At JD Cole underscore 37. That's on Instagram. And that new jumps to the Josh just on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian, you can find him at b.esp on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he also streams on twitch.tv slash it's punchline sometimes. Uh, to watch him play Valorant. He's really into Valorant these days. Uh, so check that out. Um, you could email the show itself at... New oh, you follow the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and also TikTok. So do all that. Email us at newjumpcitypod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, anything you guys want us to talk about. Uh, and we will answer them on the show as we are doing today. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube, please. Uh, we haven't posted there in a minute because uh, I'm still working from my temporary workstation. Uh, so there haven't been many video versions of the pod being made yet. But uh, please subscribe nonetheless. And we'll be back as soon as uh, I get a new computer, which is hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, good computers are uh, hard to come by. Uh, but yeah, check us out on those. Uh, and if you, uh, uh, for the time being, if uh, you prefer audio podcast anyway, we are pretty much everywhere you can listen to on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, please consider subscribing to us on audio-only platforms for now because that is where we have been posting for the last couple weeks. Um, I'm going to find a way to get uh, the stuff onto YouTube. It will probably be a still image type of mode just because we are uh, low on video uh, capability right now. But uh yeah, subscribe to us there. Like, share, subscribe, all the other stuff that we did on there. And um, yeah, that's it. Um, let's get into the show proper. Spoiler alerts ahead. We are going to start 
with One Piece. This is One Piece chapter 1080, The Hero of Legend. And uh, man, when you talk about heroes in One Piece, they can only mean one man. You know what time it is. Um, is that true? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's one guy who's regarded as like the naval hero. Um, oh. And we're about to see him in action. But uh, before we get to there, uh, we open the chapter on uh, the pirate island full of lead in the new world. Uh, and we start off, we come in pretty hot in this chapter as uh, it's revealed to us that Kobe, who has been kidnapped by the Blackbeard pirates, has uh, currently escaped his custody on full of lead and is now on the run. Uh, so every pirate on this island is now gunning to find Kobe uh, as he is running around the island. Uh, we see that the island itself starts talking. Uh, and that was crazy to see. Because uh, there's this big skull-shaped mountain on full of lead that just starts talking. And he's like, hmm, I, something's tickling around my left peck. And uh, he mentions that that's where the slaves are heading uh, to Meowerkit. Oh, he's the... He I just realized that the skull itself was moving and talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was literally like you could see the mouth opening. I thought they were inside. No, of the skull or something. I mean, the skull is a mountain, so they are. I don't know if they're inside it, but they're there. Um, and it turns out, uh, based on uh, the other pirates conversating with the skull mountain, uh. It is actually, they are actually talking to Pizarro, which is one of the uh, Impel Down inmates that has escaped uh, during the Marine Ford War and is now on uh, Blackbeard's ship. Um, and Very cool. Fucking awesome. Uh, we see that um, all of them are asking for permission to, uh, to hunt Kobe and the slaves that he seems to have freed uh, that were on full of lead. And... Um, Pizarro basically says, don't even think about it. Just bring, don't kill Kobe. Just bring them back and uh, bring them all back alive. Or he'll tell teach about this. Um, and we cut to Kobe who is in the middle of escaping with uh, what seems to be a bunch of slaves that were being kept on this Island. Uh, we get the shots of the other members of Blackbeard's crew. We see Shiryu is still on full of lead. Um, and obviously we know that he has, he is the current wielder of the clear, clear fruit, which was, uh, Absalom's, uh, old fruit from Thriller Bark. And now he has it now. Uh, but we do see that Avarlo, uh, Pizarro, the corrupt King, his ability is the Isle Alf, Isle Isle fruit, which means he's an Island man, which I think he could just like merge with any Island that he's on. Uh, it's very similar to Pika's power from, yeah, uh, which, you know, I guess it's a smart way to use that power that's actually pretty useful and cool for a villain. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm not mad at it. Uh, and then we see on a bubble, there is Vasco Shot, uh, the heavy drinker who has the glug glug fruit, meaning he's a booze man. Uh, I love how they put heavy drinker. Yeah, that's his nickname, uh, I think, a heavy oh. drinker. Because, uh, yeah, Shiryu of the Rain, uh Avalo Pizarro is the corrupt king and Vasco shot is the heavy drinker. Um, he has the glug 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 fruit, which I guess he can make these bubbles probably out of alcohol and ride <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's like a, a component of his ability. Um, and they're just uh, he's going after uh, Kobe right now. Um, so and Avalo tells him to like chill. Don't don't you dare. No fire is going out of control. Teach will be furious if you go and cause too much trouble. Um, and they've he explains that they've only finished repairing Rocky Port, which the famous Rocky Port incident that we've been hearing so much about uh, over the course of the series that Law was involved with. Um, it was actually on this island, I guess, uh, full of lead, which, uh, was the, was the event. Like we see that law, I think helped Blackbeard take down the previous ruler of this island and, mm. uh, and which, uh, instilled Blackbeard into power and gave law the title of warlord. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, we see San Juan Wolf is also there, uh, who, yeah also known as the Great Battleship, he has the huge, huge fruit. So he's a gigantification man, which obviously means, I guess he just increases his size and and so, and, uh, so forth. Uh, so I so guess he's he not, a, not a giant. I guess not. Unless he is a giant that ate this fruit and made him, and like that allows himself to get even bigger. Is he That's making incredible. these snot bubbles that this guy's writing on? I thought that... Yeah, he is, bro. Ew. That's pretty gross. Vasco, yo, Blackbeard's pirates are gross. <laughs> yeah, they're that, all that, gross. that tears it. They're all gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, San Juan Wolf is also on the island. He's just chilling. He's just sleeping, taking up like several city blocks on this island. Uh, sleeping yeah, on it. Yeah, this 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 really helped uh, kind of create the scale. You know, give us. You know, seeing him stand on the ocean floor was impressive, but this also is like he's literally laying on a neighborhood. Yeah, for real. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, we then cut to Kobe just like evading the pirates of Full of Lead. Um, and he is we get a flashback uh from his perspective of when he first arrived on Full of Lead, and we learn that the reason that Blackbeard actually kidnapped him in the first place was to use Kobe's life as a bargaining chip to get the uh, world government to consider Fulaled its own nation that is affiliated with the world government. Um, and he's going to call it the Blackbeard Kingdom, and he'll be king of this island. Um, he is giant. He is massive, yo. Look at, look at Kobe compared to him. Yeah, Blackbeard's a big guy. He's a big boy. I don't know why, like, that's so. It's, it's, I've always loved that part of One Piece, like how they make these characters like some characters are just huge, and not because they're giants or that's because of their genetic race or anything. Like, they're just large. Yeah, some people like, are just nine feet tall in this world, casually. Um, like I think Doflamingo. Uh, I think Brooke is nine feet tall. So. Oh. Yeah, I think like Jinbei is ten feet tall. I know, like, Oda has, like, specific heights for every character, basically. Um, I think Luffy's, like, 5'11". <laughs> so, I I don't know what he has for Blackbeard, but he's a big boy, too. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, Blackbeard's pretty stoked about uh, turning Full of Lead into its own country, uh, using Kobe as a, as a bargaining chip. And Kobe's like, actually, that's not going to work. Like, first of all, the government would never just do that. <laughs> you know, he's not gonna they're not gonna make this island of pirates an actual 
world government recognized state. Uh, but on top of that, uh, it won't work specifically. Like I'm not a good hostage because I'm a member of sword and we've obviously heard this before. Uh, we've seen sword as kind of this covert, uh, uh, deep state, uh, kind of, uh, organization from the world government, but we never really know what knew what it meant. And, uh, Aokiji is in the room and he actually breaks it down for, uh, for Blackbeard, what that even means? As Blackbeard is like, is that supposed to mean something? Um, and Alkiji tells him right away, he's like, well, actually, he's right. Then you know, in that case, it's he's not going to be worth anything. Um, he explains that there that Kobe is tech as a member of Sword. Kobe is Navy, but he's not Navy. Uh, he's basically uh, Sword is a group of people who have submitted their resignation form, so to speak. They're not official members of the Navy anymore, technically but they are still allowed for the most part to operate as Marines unless something goes wrong or they become compromised and then the government can pretty much just cut ties with them and not take responsibility for any actions. Uh, so it's kind of like a vigilante force separate from the world government and not really controlled by them or, you know, obligated to follow any orders from any government official it seems even by the five elders themselves don't really have jurisdiction over what sword does. Uh, so it's very convenient. Hey, <laughs> it makes sense. I guess, uh, considering who I think is supposed to be like the leader of sword as we'll see. Um, so, uh, Blackbeard's like, ah, I see what you're saying. Uh, all right. That's kind of cool, but I'm not changing my plans. I'll take this tactic as far as it goes because, uh, it may sound like it won't work, but Kobe's kind of a different case because he's like, he's like a hero. He's like someone like the, yeah. the Marines take some kind of pride in. So they're not, even though he's part of sword, which is this clandestine thing, they're not just going to let him go so easy. Uh, so, you know, we'll just see how this goes. Basically. He's like, it may not work, but who cares? Um, and then we get to see how Kobe actually made his escape and Perona appeared on full of lead and busted him out, which is interesting because Perona was with Mihawk. So I don't know if this was like a cross guild move to free Kobe after like, you know, just, uh, just to let him mm -hmm. go and cause problems. But, uh, she, she releases, uh, Kobe under the condition that he frees Gecko Moria from the cell in the back. So we may see Moria again in a in a big capacity. And I'm wondering if he still has his powers because, you know, like the Blackbeard Pirates have been removing people's powers left and right. So last we heard about Moria, he was actually like being recruited by Blackbeard. But it seems that Perona is confirming that he was actually, he's in a cell, so... He may have actually declined the offer to join the Blackbeard Pirates. So that's uh that's interesting. Uh I, I can't wait to see how that little moment uh plays out. Uh but Kobe's running around and then he just sees an explosion in the distance, and then he's like, Whoa, what's going on over there? He puts on this face like maybe someone came to rescue me? No, no, that's stupid. No one would come for me. I'm a sh I'm arrogant. I'm ashamed of myself. Um I guess it's a cute little moment there. But we do see that he is indeed right. Uh, it looks like members of S.W.O.R.D. have descended upon the island of uh, Fulalet and are now fighting to get Kobe back. 
um one of the pirates beheads one of the uh sword members but then he just like glorps into this weird clay substance and everybody's like whoa it's clay um <laughs> and uh elsewhere this building is moving just like on its own and the people are like is the is that building moving and they see that there's this woman in the distance just whipping this building and like telling it to keep moving and the building seems to be moving at the at the whims of this woman who's whipping it <laughs> and uh they look over and it's revealed that this woman her name is kujaku and she's the granddaughter of suru uh who you may know as the wash wash lady um i don't know if you remember no. her just she's the one who turns people like into laundry like she hangs no. them on clotheslines <laughs> if you want to yeah, google it yeah. If you want to Google Suru, she's definitely been in the series before, and we have seen her turn people into like laundry on a clothes on a clothing line. You know what I mean? Like when you hang stuff up to dry. Yeah. Well, that's her granddaughter, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's uh, she has the ability of the whip whip fruit. She's a disciplined woman, so I guess that means by whipping things, she can make them follow her will. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Even inanimate objects. Yeah, I guess because she's using it on a building, and the building is actually moving. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, we then cut back to Kobe, who is now surrounded by a bajillion pirates, and uh, they start to open fire all at the same time because I guess these pirates aren't stupid. They're not these types that are going to go after Kobe one at a time. So they yeah. all shoot simultaneously, but flowers come out. And this was built up. If you remember in the cover page, uh, Vegapunk invented these bullets that turn, uh, or like this weapon that turns bullets into flowers. Uh, so this is a, this is a Vegapunk invention. Um, and uh, all the pirates are flipping out and Kobe turns up to the roof and we see this sniper woman uh, named Hibari, uh, who seems to have uh, unleashed this weapon on them and saved Kobe's life. Um, we then cut over to uh, another rooftop where we see uh, this uh, new, this other sword guy named Prince Groos, who's, uh, who is actually responsible for the clay soldiers that are currently on Full of Lead, as he is uh, the wielder of the Glorp Glorp fruit, which <laughs> makes him a clay man. Okay, that's a weird name. Oh, he was making those soldiers. Yeah, why couldn't they just call it the clay clay fruit? Why did it have to be the glorp glorp fruit? But Maybe yeah. there's already a clay man. Is there? I don't even know if there was a clay man. He's got a long bill on his hat. It's kind of cool. <laughs> um, But yeah, he's the one responsible for the soldiers. And, you know... uh. As we see that uh, the now the pirates that were surrounding Kobe are being surrounded on their own because apparently this woman's just been whipping these buildings to close in on these pirates. And uh, I think we see Tashigi here. Tashigi's with uh, Sword. And uh, they say, we're ready to go. And they launch their ship. Uh, we know what time it is. Uh, the ship descends. It is Garp's ship, and guess who's on the fucking bow of the of the prow of the ship? It's Garp himself, and everybody is shook. Uh, everybody's like, "Oh my god! I thought he retired." It's the hero of legend, and we see Garp 
Uh, very much like Luffy does. He's on the prow of the ship. That's what Luffy used to do when he had to marry. Um, he would just like sit mm-hmm. on the very front of it. And he's just laughing his ass off like, and getting his fist ready. Uh, and everybody sees this and starts panicking, trying to run because they know what time it is. And all you see is the hockey collecting around Garp's fist uh, as he jumps off of the prow and he shouts down to the pirates. He's like, do you have any idea who you've taken prisoner? Kobe is the future of the Navy. And what's more, he's my protege as he unleashes um, his attack Galaxy Impact and uh, explodes that whole section of full lead with one single hockey punch. And uh, that is where the chapter ends. Uh, Josh, yeah. what did you think about One Piece chapter 1080? Um, this is this is the RGC. Yeah, this is my RGC as well. And not, it is, let's make no mistake, this was a tough week. Yeah, it was a tough week. In a strong week, to be honest, this was an RGC. On all, all three of us parts. And not only that, the audience voted at the RGC as well. Whoa. Yep. This is a unified, really good chapter of the week. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a soundboard yet. Um, but I am, I'm still working on it. I, I promise I'll get it up and running and I'm on a more permanent basis. But all three of all, well, if you count the audience as our fourth man, all four of us consider this the best chapter of the week. And uh, I couldn't agree more. But uh, Josh... Why don't you get into your thoughts? Okay. This was... Alright, I want to start from the end. This Galaxy Impact Punch. This is... Uh, I know you've watched Death Battle before, right? I have. Okay, anyone anyone that, that has watched it, you know. If you don't, it's just a YouTube series where they pit, you know, anime or comic book characters like anything from like that that sphere of uh media like against each other and this is something they're going to use for one piece you know what i'm saying like in the future to to scale like certain characters he just leveled the neighborhood decides mm-hmm. to stand duan so um super impressive uh, just, you know i just know like, those are usually things they uh point out um, it's cool seeing that they have this, uh, I guess, what do you call it? This commando group of, of Marines. It's, it's really interesting. I, I guess I wanted to hear your thoughts on that when you, when you get to it. Um, it makes sense that someone like Garp could be in charge like this because he's realistically strong enough that he could do whatever he wants, I guess. You know, not that he can't be beaten, but he can't be beaten without an immense struggle. So I guess they feel like whatever he's doing is is fine. Um, that being the elders, because they, they are in control. I'm sure if they didn't want Garth doing whatever he was doing, he would have got smoked a long time ago. Um, it was really nice seeing Alkiji. I know we've already, it's already been established that, that he's Blackbeard, but it's I haven't actually seen it yet. So like seeing him in person talking to Teach, it's uh, you know, I like it. I, I like that we're you know, I like that we're starting to get introduced to um these background characters that we know are a big deal. Like you know, 
teaching the rest of his, you know, Black Bay Pirates, uh, Kobe, Garpin, I guess a handful of these Marines. You know, you can see these factions coming together. Um, I wonder if Smoker is there, too. Yeah, Tashigi's there, so he might be. Right, that definitely is Tashigi. You can't really be sure. It certainly her. looks this exactly is, like this her. This is one piece we're talking about. I, yeah, I know. I Hey. And she I, is a woman. That's very true, but she has the glasses. She has the dark hair. Um, mm. She's a Navy woman. She looks like Tashigi. Um, I'm pretty, I'm like 95% sure that's Tashigi. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Moria being released um, really intrigued me. He's he's one of my favorite villains. Um, maybe not personality-wise, but just in design and, and his ability. Mm-hmm. The Bach was dope. And it's funny because I, I, I often forget about that arc. Like, like you know, I guess because of when it happens, like where it's placed, because it's like right before um, Shibodi and right after, like, what, Skypea? Kind of sandwiched. In, no, no, it's, it's like right after, after Water 7. So it's like sandwiched in a weird spot. Yeah. Well, not a weird spot, but between major arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those, those are all my thoughts. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm going to read off Brian's thoughts first because he just sent them to us. Um, first of all, he did say that it is his RGC, uh, his really good chapter yes. of the week. Um, and he said that Garp's entrance with his ship is very similar to Luffy's entrance at Marineford. And, claim, and his claim about Kobe alongside his crazy display of power is a testament to Kobe's potential in this world. Uh, also, he had an idea about that the Blackbeard pirate ship that is showing up to Egghead is Kobe, who escaped Pirate Island and essentially swapped prisoners with Garp, who will be used as a more effective barning, bargaining chip. Garp mm. directed Kobe to go to Egghead and reunite with Luffy to ensure the dawn of the new world, and he says that he doesn't think that Garp gets off the Pirate Island. Uh, those, those, are, those are some really interesting ideas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I will say, uh, it is funny because I remember the the circumstances of Luffy's ship. He also descended from the sky, but what happened with Luffy's ship was actually that like there was the tsunami that Whitebeard caused that was then frozen by Aokiji, and Luffy and the impaled down inmates got stuck on that on the top of that wave after it was tsunamied uh, and frozen. Mm. So, you know, in order to not waste any time, they just basically jumped off the ship. <laughs> um, mm. But it is, it. I mean, you know, Luffy likes to make grand entrances and, you know, it seems to be a family trait uh, to make these grand epic entrances. Um, Yeah, I don't know if Garp would give himself up as a prisoner, you know. And I don't see anybody on this island beating Garp without Blackbeard on the on the island. So who knows? I mean, I, I it could it's definitely possible. But I think like Black Garp is just so fucking powerful because this is him not in his prime. And I think it would be just like an inter- a more interesting plot point if Garp just fucks up full of lead and leaves. Because it's kind of cliche to have him like lose here, in a sense. 
Like, I guess. In a, in a, yeah, because that is the expectation. You kind of expect that, oh, you know, even though it's presented like he's about to come and, and wreck everybody, you know, narratively speaking, usually what happens is they come in hot and then that's how they, you know, ha- have a huge twist. Like, usually the twist is that, oh, you know, we actually took him down and now things are even worse. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. I just wanted to break that down, like how that is cliche, like mm-hmm. counterculture. I mean, you know, if it happens the way that Brian says that, like Garp is taken down is and like allows Kobe to escape somehow, but Garp is taken as a more valuable prisoner. I think that makes sense. Uh, just personally, I think it would be cooler if Garp just wipes the floor with full of lead and bounces. I think that'd just be a slightly more interesting power, like story point. Um, but yeah, I yeah, plus I, Blackbeard and a handful of the pirates aren't there, like from his crew. Yeah, I think yeah, I I will say yeah, this is a this is just such a fucking awesome chapter. I think this is like the first one where we've had entirely not focused on the Straw Hats at all in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. All these characters that are being introduced are super cool. I do love the idea of sword it makes sense and if it's not necessarily confirmed right here that garp is the leader of sword but it would it would track that he is because garp although he has like a lot of sense of duty to marine he is a marine at heart he is also kind of like a wild card for them in a sense that you know whenever luffy does a big exploit he is proud of him for doing the exploit and making something of himself and not being just a bum out here in these seas Mm -hmm. so you know I think like there is something to Garp that's a little bit of a maverick, um, even though he is just like a marine through and through. Uh, but yeah, I just love the entrance here. He's like laughing all the way in. I think that's like the concept of just like laughing and being free is very consistent between him and Luffy. And I just love to see the family that like little weird family trait like being shared even though dragon still doesn't seem to be this guy despite no, being his actual son <laughs> uh um but you know i also see that in in blackbeard too that's part of the reason i think he's really cool is because even though he's done a lot of nefarious things he doesn't i mean yeah he's a dirtbag i guess i can't say he's not a say he's a decent person but he does have that that spirit of freedom, I guess, to him. Well, I think like there's something different about Blackbeard because like thinking back to when he was first introduced, him mm-hmm. him and his crew are very beholden to fate. They really believe they're like very fatalistic people. They think that things are preordained and predetermined and whatever happens was just kind of, is just kind of a twist of fate and that's how in theory it was always supposed to be, you know. And I think that's oh. that plays into how Blackbeard operates in this moment, too, where he has Kobe, but he's like, well, you know, we made this choice. Let's follow it through and see where fate takes us. Uh, oh, it's confidence and belief. Yeah, there is a sense of belief in that. All right. I see. It's, so there is, it is distinctive from Luffy and Garp and those like that, because it's not maybe it's not just this. this uh, 
this joyous freedom that that they give that he gives off. But like you know, like I said, it's having an unwavering faith in himself and and his future. And I guess that's how he gets followers. That's probably how he got Al Kiji to join him. He probably was like, damn, you really, you really, really believe <laughs> that you're gonna change the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's still so much about Blackbeard himself that's a mystery. I don't know what he stands to gain from turning Pirate Island into its own country. I have a feeling that's not his end game here. But that's like part of a bigger plan. Um But yeah, this is just like so much to kind of like break down, I feel. Uh with uh, you know, there's Moria. I'm wondering if they took away his powers or not. If you have to kill somebody to take their powers, you probably do. Like, because everybody they've taken abilities from is no longer here. You know, there's, um, we have, uh, you know, Whitebeard, obviously, Absalom. They don't have, they're dead and they've, their abilities have been passed on to other Blackbeard members. Right. But Moria seems to be alive still. What about that girl that got caught? What girl? Um, in the, at the beginning. Oh, uh, Hancock. Nah, not Boy Hancock. It was this ah man. Someone got someone like Blackbeard left her on a raft for like the for the Navy to get or something like that. It happened really early, like right after the time skip. It's not like there was a fight that happened in the like. I think that happened before. Chapter. I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Bonnie. I thought that was Jewelry Bonnie. That was Bonnie. Yeah, it was Bonnie. Bonnie seems to have escaped in that moment. But he Oh, I guess that's what happened. Because she was free. She was defeated and escaped. Okay. Um, yeah, he didn't take her power, obviously. Yeah. One thing that yeah, I... It could be the case that he doesn't want to give Moria's power to anybody because maybe it's too volatile. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, people can have more than one devil fruit, but he certainly does. But maybe nobody else can handle it, and that's like a thing only he can do is have more than one devil fruit power and his crewmates can only have one. I don't know. Yeah, there's no way it doesn't play a role. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. This seems to be happening concurrently with what's happening on Egghead. That's the only thing that like holds me back from saying that the ship that's descending on Egghead is Kobe. And plus we know that White Blackbeard's just out there doing stuff we don't know where jesus burgess is we don't know where catalina is there's certain members of blackbeard's crew that are not on full of lead that it could be um but yeah there's that um one thing that i did notice though is that throughout the course ever since wano like kaido has said that the one that hockey is like the true like real power in this world and like the the people who are the best of the best are actually are like the more adept users of hockey and like devil fruits don't matter so much the further you get into the new world and Oda seems to be proving that with who's dominating right now out there um because we see you know Shanks dispatching kids crew uh pretty easily using hockey ability Garp here leveling a whole town with hockey power alone um Hockey man? He's a hockey man. They're multiple hockey men. And it looks like it's not a cope after all. <laughs> <laughs> with people from people with agendas. 
<laughs> That's so funny, man. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, I don't I don't I mean granted Garp does have a fruit ability, right? Nope. But no? No, he doesn't have a fruit ability. What power did you wow. think he had? Oh no, that's the other guy that has the fruit ability, the Buddha. Sengoku, yeah. Jeez. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Gark is just raw. He is a hockey. He is a confirmed hockey man. Mm. All that pain. Yeah. Not an agenda. Not an agenda. Build his agenda. Which <laughs> means it's it's legit. Yeah. Oh man, I just uh, yeah, this was such a fucking good chapter, bro. Just so much lore, bro. It's, oh my god, all the lore. That's so much lore. The fact that we got this chapter real quick in the middle of like, um, this egghead, this egghead, uh, arc has been, uh, yeah, Oda's Oda's getting things moving. I'm not even mad. No, I mean, look, I'm when we. Mad. When we left Wano, we expected that there's going to be like a few chapters dedicated to what what's been happening around the world since. But Oda is just like, oh, you want to? I'm going to give you a whole arc of the world of world building. And right, like sprinkled in everywhere. Yeah, and it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. And you know the thing is, like, I don't know if there's anybody who can like reveal so much, but also keep so much secret than Oda. Like think of every character, yeah. every character that's been featured in this series or in this very chapter alone, just has like we know them and we've known them for a long time for the most part, you know. Garp, Blackbeard, Aokiji, some members of Sword we've known, uh, per fucking Perona, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we don't like. There's still also so much motivation that we are not privy to, that is just fascinating. You know, we know these characters, but we don't really know them like that. You know, like what's Garp's whole deal? <laughs> like his, a lot of Garp's past is also still a mystery. Was he a pirate or not? No, he was a Navy man, but he was like working with Roger. Nah, but he was a pirate. Bro. And he was the guy like to, to take down rocks, according to like, at least as far as the world government is concerned. Propaganda. Propaganda, probably. It's in, it's possible. It was San Juan Wolf that did it. <laughs> but he did fight alongside Roger. That much is confirmed. So Bro, Garp's got to fight that guy. I've no, always yeah. said that. And here's no, another no. thing that I did want to mention is that we're seeing all the like old guard still fucking got it, bro. They still out here just doing shit like Garp, um, Shanks. Dude, old people in One Piece, elders, and, and grown up grown ups. Uh, un, like you know, real actual mature adults in One Piece are incredibly strong. Yeah, <laughs> like as far as old people in manga go, One Piece has the strongest old people. And like, like not like the strongest out of all series. It's just like over the the span. Like they have so many different strong age characters. And they're all hard to take down. When you really think about it, Kaido beat Luffy four times. Yeah. <laughs> like, we get on Kid's case for losing to Shanks twice. 
But Luffy lost pretty easily to to Kaido. I didn't get on his case for losing the Shanks twice, personally. Yeah, you just, did. Just so we're clear. <laughs> no, it wasn't about him losing the Shanks. It's the fact that all he does is lose. That's fair. That's a fair point. But, yeah, I, I think, like, somebody... He doesn't have help from... Yeah, I read this somewhere. One Piece character of all time. I read this somewhere. Apparently. And it's something I never really thought of, is that, like, this new generation of pirates like doesn't hold the candle to like the rocks era pirates. It's like those guys were like such the real deal. And even Kinda to this like day, the, the Hian era. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. Uh, like Yeah, exactly. That era, that rocks pirates era was like the Hian era for for One Piece. It's just the realest people alive fighting all day every day. And it was awesome. Awesome to talk about. Maybe yeah. it wasn't awesome for them in the moment. No, no, not for the characters that were involved, as we'll yeah, see soon. But... It seems to have actually sucked for most people back then, <laughs> whether uh-huh. you were strong in that world or not. <laughs> it seems to have been a shitty life. Um, but yeah, no, it's just so cool. I've always, I've always hoped that one day, if we don't get like a deep dive into that era in the manga itself, I would love for like Oda to like figure out how to do it as a movie. Oh, that th- would be sick. I think the battle against the Rocks Pirates would make for, like, an unbelievable movie. Yeah, and that could be a movie that's canon that if you missed it, you know, it's not like... He could just do it for the sake that you know what happened. Yeah. But and it might- doesn't have to have story implications. Yeah. But we might There's get a, a little deep dive. That. There's a way to do it. There's a way. You could do Kaisen Zero, you know? You could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my wish list. That's my hope for the world is that we get like a full length. I'll watch two and a half hours of that, <laughs> of that whole era. Oof. Same. All right. Well, that's that's one piece for me. Uh, this was such a fucking great chapter, man. I read it like a couple times. It's just so cool. Garp is the man. Love this chapter so much. Um, but you ready to move on, Josh? Yes. All right. Then we are moving on to Jujutsu Kaisen, Chapter 219, Bath Part 4. Um, We actually open with a flashback. Uh, last we left off with Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, Sukuna was going up against Yorozu, um, who are now, uh, who, you know, Yorozu's getting frustrated kind of because Sukuna is actually just like, beating her without really trying and not using his own innate technique and is using Megumi's technique. Um, He's beating her without his mane. Yeah, and she's getting upset at that. Uh, So she's going to use a technique made from her own love. And we actually get a flashback of uh, way back in the Heian era, it seems, um, where these two guys are just like kind of talking about how it's the Harvest Festival and they're questioning why they invited a monster like that um and he's like why do we have to pray for to sukuna for our crops and they explain that uh the elite warriors in the northern fujiwara's forces known as the sun moon star and star squad were ripped apart and so were the five empty generals so he's like we must know show that we bear no ill will and seek peaceful friendly relations because Sukuna's that guy. 
Um, so yeah, he's uh, they're coming in and they're just asking what has become of the capital of Heian. And uh, we get to see Yorozu, who is buck naked in her, I guess, room and eating cherries and stuff. And uh, one of her servants, I guess, comes in and is like, today is the harvest festival, Yorozu. Uh, please put clothes on. <laughs> the wives, will, Otherwise, the wives will give you hell. And um, she's like, I'll be the one to give them hell. This festival is sure to have Chinese pastries and offerings to the gods. Uh, so, you know, she throws on a robe casually and uh, just like... Very loosely. Yeah, just makes her way down to, I guess, to where the snacks are. And um, she arrives outside to where Sukuna is. And we've seen Sukuna before, like in this time period on like cover pages and stuff. But this is probably like the first time we've really seen him in canon story, you know? And he looks gross. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, he, he looks like a curse himself. And, you know, he's just sitting there. He's got his forearms uh, and his two faces i guess that's how they call it and uh yorozu just runs at him still buck naked and uh just goes over to hug him and she's like don't worry i'm here you aren't alone and um urume i think this guy's name is uh goes like back off and uh just like sends her away and she dodges or something she just jumps back and uh, she's like, from now on, I'll be the one standing there. And her robe is just like fully open. But there seems to be a wound coming down her mm. chest through her stomach. And she's like, she just notices it and she falls to the ground. And she's like, I knew it. What a painful wound. And I guess she dies right there, <laughs> which is wild. Uh, and we cut over to the present time where she is now obviously inhabited sumiki's body and she is like i want your solitude all for myself it belongs to no one but me because i'm the one who will kill you and we see that she is standing next to a fucking perfect black spear sphere and suguna just looks at us like whoa it's a perfect sphere mm-hmm. and she sends it right at him and it just like makes these this like perfect round crater in the ground as it moves and uh, we get an explanation that uh, a true sphere is thought to be impossible. It has no contact area, so it generates infinite pressure. Um, Whoa! Yeah, and she's that, that. That's that's such a wild thing to. to that's such a wild thing to uh, wrap your head around. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no. Do you understand that? There's yeah. No surface is perfectly round because there's no flat yeah point yeah no corner no what (laughs) no corners at all it's like no impossible it's fucking cornerless not a single corner and uh she explains that a perfect sphere is untouchable so how will you handle true love and at that point she opens her domain and uh it's called threefold affliction uh but she then notices that he hasn't opened his domain. And he's like, wait, he saw what my sphere does, and it's guaranteed to hit in this domain. If I activate my cursed technique, he's toast. But then Sukuna summons that weird fucking monster. Uh, 
and it burst open the the sphere. He destroyed the fucking true sphere with this uh, Shikigami, and uh, thus her her domain is destroyed. Um, Sukuna explains that an in, uh, an energy inefficient curse technique like hers will always end up the same, no matter whatever whatever she constructs. The substance appropriates the liquid metal or insect armor using, but he's already adapted to it. So basically, he's like, haha, it just won't work on me. <laughs> yeah, um, that was kind of a weak explanation. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think like the point here is that Yorozu could never get past her, like her, her technique's weakness is that it just uses too much cursed energy. Mm. So it just won't. It it just wouldn't never be as strong as she would want it to be, and he's already kind of used to dealing with it already. So, oh, okay. I guess that's that's the boat. That's the best way I could say it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, she basically is dying, and she's like, "I'm so happy that you know that about me." And then she does kind of similar thing that uh, Mai did for Maki, and she go, "Here, this is for you. Think of it as me, and use it with care." And I think she uses her um, her construction curse technique for one last thing. And the chapter ends with Megumi seemingly at, a, at the bottom of the ocean almost, it looks like. And he's just crying because obviously Sukuna just killed his sister. Um, and she seems to be fading away. So there's not even going to be a body involved. Uh, that is a huge bummer for... Megami, he cannot catch a break in this series. He's he's been through the goddamn ringer. Um, but that was Jujutsu Kaisen chapter two hundred and nineteen. Josh, what did you think about this chapter? Um, I I didn't realize that she's probably dead now. She's for I, sure dead. I didn't even notice that there were tears running down his eyes. Like at the end, I, if anything, I thought I thought this was like a positive thing. Because there was like light coming down, like he was getting wo- awake, like awoken by something. Oh but no! Yeah, that totally flipped the uh, my perspective. That's really sad. Um, I don't know what I thought I was gonna expect. It's not like I thought that she was gonna beat Sukuna, but I thought maybe something would interrupt their fight, saving her. Mm-hmm. I guess not. She put up a fight though. It just it was just against Sakuna. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I. I'm not sure if I made if I, if I said this last week, but she. When you guys were talking about not being like so excited by her as a, a character compared to a lot of the other ancient sorcerers, um, I I think I, I definitely agreed with that last week, but I feel like Gigi's not giving this character that. Maybe that's not a fair thing to say, but my, I think this is more about showcasing Sukuna fighting with like different techniques. Us kind of getting familiar with him more so than introducing a brand new sorcerer to be cool and fight against. Although he did that as well. I mean, I st- I think she's a cool character. I think she's interesting. Yeah, and it's not because she was uh, butt naked for half of this chapter. <laughs> I promise that's not why. I promise. I swear to God. I swear to God. Yeah. Um. Did you keep all the ovaries in her uh, domain expansion? Yeah. I did see all the yeah. ovaries. Gigi's a Cursed wild ovaries. dude. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy guy. 
Anyway, we're, how are you, what are your thoughts on this character, Chris? Yeah, I don't hate Yorozu. I was just like kind of, I guess, you know, I guess it's unfair to compare to other sorcerers, but I guess like she has the least screen time of all of them too. So I guess like, you know, I guess I wasn't, uh, I shouldn't, ex- I wasn't like expecting to like think she was probably like super duper important or anything, but I guess I was just comparing her to the other sorcerers that just like felt a little more entertaining, but I think she served her purpose in the story. I don't by any means. I don't really like dislike her at all. I guess like it was more that I was more indifferent towards her and that was kind of a different feeling, but this was a, this was a cooler display of her ability. That perfect sphere shit was crazy. I wonder if anybody else could do that. Like I wonder if they're perfect. Yeah. I think I, I wonder if they're like, they built it up here so that, somebody else could try to pull it off later. Cause we've seen it before where like people bring out techniques and then it comes back later, like somebody else trying it. So maybe, but yeah, this was, this was a cool chapter. Uh, bringing back that one Shikigami was pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I knew it was coming. I didn't know that he was like waiting to use it though. It, yeah. It's kind of implied that he could have used that as, as soon as that loaded up. I think he switched places with it. Cause like he dives backward and then that thing comes out and all of a sudden he's like way outside of the domain. Oh, so I'm wondering if he just like switched places with it, but either way it's, it was just like a cool chapter, man. I feel bad for Megami. <laughs> this is not cool. Um, I hope they I hope they just pull him out of whatever rut he's in cuz this is very sad. But overall like pretty great chapter to be honest. Um Jujutsu Kaisen is always great. And that's despite the nudity. That's not what this is about, okay? It's not because of the right. nudity. This was a cute chapter regardless. Um But yeah, that's really all I have to say about Jujutsu Kaisen. This was just sad. I I mean, Sumiki be going down is a pretty sad thing for Megami. Mm-hmm. Um, any any rebuttals? Anything else to add, Josh? No, I'm ready to move on. All right, then uh, let's move on uh, to Undead Unluck Chapter 154, and uh, I will throw it over to you, Josh. All right, as Chris said, this is Undead Unluck Chapter Number 154. Select. Uh, last week, we finalized. We basically came to a conclusion of the um, Diskind Billy arc, where uh, Billy and Tella and Creed uh, was. It, is it Creed? Yeah, Creed. Is, yeah, Creed. Under Creed. Yeah. yeah. Um, end up joining Fuko's team after a uh, uh, wild effort, and uh, Fuko lets them all know that the next. Uh, negator they need to help out is a child named Phil, who, you know, I'm sure if you guys remember, is the artifact child that didn't talk. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I thought he was a robot. I didn't, I, I forgot that he was a negator. I didn't know that was a, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, Phil was like, like an android or something. I feel like Phil was a character that came into prominence. Like he just emerged in the story, kind of. Like he's always there in the background, but he just like he was always there. Yeah, Yeah, he was just always there, but we never, like, it was only until like that 
um, the whole thing started to fall apart at the end there, that Phil became like a real person in the story. Yeah, and was fighting and stuff. Because I remember when he um, first came up, we're like, who is that kid? It could be just our shitty right. memories too, but I, I distinctly remember, I don't remember him playing a huge part in the story up to that moment. No, I don't. I mean, I, I'm. I think we're. I think we're right because I, that's how I feel too. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, cut to the beginning of the chapter where uh, you hear a, I guess a radio communication talking about how there's like a space station that lost all communication, and that you know this experiment can't go public and it's not an option, and it still trying to reach them and. You know, we skip to a narrative, which we later find out is, you know, being told by Foucault, um, letting us know that um, a few days ago, a space station um, was attacked, and they're not sure if it was by Uma or an alien or an Uma named alien or a rule that allowed aliens to do this. Who knows at this point, right? God's the worst. Um, and, and so is Luna. Um, so yeah, Fugu's like, back. so we're gonna fly out there by rocket and we're gonna save Phil. And I was like, damn, we, we're gonna go to space in a rocket? Like, don't them shits blow up? I'm, I, I'm not, I, I don't remember what time period they're in right now. I, I don't, I don't think they're in the 2000s yet, but definitely, you know, the, they're I know you remember like that rocket blowing up on TV. Yeah, that shit was challenging. Yeah, man, that was that was intense. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's like topical. I want to I want to give Yoshikuma like as much credit as I can, basically. Yeah, I believe they're in the uh-huh. '90s at this point, so it, it makes sense. Right, where they're like super skeptical, and I'm like, okay, let's build the spaceship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So. Uh, you know, Fuku goes to explain that, you know, he's a six-year-old child and he's with his mom. They're like, they're in a bunker and uh, she also starts to explain like who he was in the past, that he um, he was an unfeel negator. I mean, he, he was a feeling negator. They mm-hmm. call him unfeel. And that, um, you know, because of his negator ability, he used his body to incorporate like a, like a ton of different um art like ancient artifacts you know just so you can help the cause and do his part which i guess gives the character a lot more depth just like that knowing that oh like he it's not like again he wasn't a robot he's a real person that had to watch his body get mutilated well maybe not watch but like um, i hope he was under anesthesia even if he couldn't feel it yeah um that still takes guts to watch your arms and other appendages get replaced. But it's got to be sick after the fact, though. <laughs> it's got to be fucking He's rad. Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I wish I was Inspector Gadget, but not like in a goofy way. Yeah, like I, updated wish, way. I wish I was Inspector Gadget without the whole car, car crash thing that caused me to become Inspector Gadget. Is that what happened? I think so. Like he was. I remember the movie, the live action movie. He was like, he he got into a weird car a- car accident and they saved him his life by turning him into a robot. Wow, yo, I remember that movie. 
I remember liking it when I was a kid. Me too. It was probably terrible. It probably ages terribly. Oh, man. Yeah, but I can, now I got to see it, though. Me too. <laughs> we should watch it. You still got to see Space Commandos, too. Oh, it's Space Troopers. Space, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Uh, see? You know. I remember. You got to watch that, man. A great movie. Yeah. Cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. Like Inspector like Gadget. Like Orange. And, and Inspector Gadget, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, classics, Criterion classes, like uh, Clockwork Orange and Inspector Gadget. <laughs> In the room. In the room. Uh, and Mortal Kombat. Anyway. Um, Which one? So, to the, uh, so, yeah, she's explaining how, you know, they're, they're, they're like, sheltered up. In the station, they're, they're, they're probably still okay. But, you know, they're running out of food and probably oxygen as well or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, Nico's like, wait, 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 wait. Why is there a kid in space? Billy's like, yeah, that's a good question. I was thinking about that, too. That's funny. Right? And then uh, everybody's yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. We didn't really question that. I, I, didn't even, I didn't think about that either. Huh. I was like, oh, right. I, they huh. said you can't really send a kid to space because it would it feels illegal. Pressures too much. Yeah, he's six years old, so there's no way. No way. And then uh, one of Nico's science scientist uh, staff members, uh, Bao, Bao, uh, was saying that there's making a new feeling project, an experiment that seeks to study the effects of space on human adaptability. Mm-hmm. This country has been seek. This country. It's like when they say him or they. <laughs> this like, person. You this don't mean country. that person. Him. Is this another? Is this? Is, is, is this the USA? Is Russia? I don't. I don't know. I don't think they're in Russia. I think. I think they're in the USA still. No, no, they. They were. Uh, no, the country who conducted this experiment. That's what I'm wondering. Is like, are they in the USA? Or are they in Japan? This country, man, that's this better be build up, Yoshifuma. So the Kuga better go to war with a whole country now. With this country, doing the these heinous things. Okay, I'm gonna stop. So they, um, yeah, they constructed a space station in secret, and within its walls, a child was born and raised there. So. Like this guys, they this country created a space colony so that they can test the effects of like you know the long term effects of space on uh day to day human life mm-hmm. and how to operate in a station. Which I guess you know I understand, but um, as Nico's about to break down, he says, Screw that, science makes developments to better protect people's lives and futures. Toying with the very lives that you're meant to protect isn't science at all. And he says, we'll save him, count on it. Um, I agree with Nico, and I'll give a few thoughts about that later. But moving on, um, they have to figure out who's going because it turns out only three people could fit on a rocket ship. So, uh, yeah. This is this was a uh, really fun part of the manga uh, for me, and this is what... This is the part that, to me, I guess, like, made it a uh, contestant for the RGC because it, it was something to think about. 
Um, Apocalypse. Yo, oh, this is really funny. <laughs> so, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> they are sitting at the round table, like trying to discuss like uh, who's going to go on the trip. And Apocalypse gets tight, and he's like, "Man, like, get the fuck out of here. We're not like I'm. Not, I don't have any quests to give out. Like, don't use this table for casual." Man, and they're just like, whatever. But Billy's surprised, like, oh, shit, there was someone else in <laughs> I didn't even realize that. I didn't notice that. Yeah. It was a, whoa. I need, you need to keep reminding me that he's blind. He was not blind in the last movie. I don't remember him being blind. I don't remember it. not blind. Was no. he blind? And I'm not looking back. I'm, I'm not, not looking going back. <laughs> I'm not going It'll back, be such bro. an easy I'm fix back. for us to look back or at least Google it, but we will not. We refuse. This is Yoshifuma projecting right now. For real, and it's it's okay. We're not per- we're, none of us are perfect, you know. Some we all have our own insecurities, and he's projecting his subconscious insecurity in his mind. That he knows <laughs> that Billy was never blind. No, Yoshifumi is he's gaslighting us right now. He is, yeah, exactly. He's, he's gaslighting, gaslighting us. us. Wow, we're being gaslit. You know, it's really rare when someone uses that term correctly. At least from, from, from my experiences, but we, yeah. yeah. He's on. like, what are you talking about? He was always blind. This whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was funny. He didn't have to include that, but uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. So, <laughs> so anyway, Foucault is saying like, look, Billy, um, let me put it like this. I need you to help make the decision. Because... Is that Brian? Brian Espinal? Stop. Hey! Yo. You're just in time for Undead Unlock. <laughs> oh, yes, shit. I've got nothing undead. to say. <laughs> oh. You can give a few thoughts. You, if you have anything to say about Jujutsu Kaisen, you can add it on after Undead. But yeah, let let's do Undead and then we'll do we'll go back to Brian real fast and, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. cover his thoughts on stuff. Okay, okay. Cool stuff. So, um, yeah. Billy's like, well, I mean, Foucault's letting, letting Billy know that, look, I, I need, you know, your opinion matters because you have a uh, an objective opinion. So you say, I need, we need an objective opinion, a negator's opinion, and a mechanic's opinion. Fine. They're all negators, though. It seems a little... I guess uh, he's saying, you know, they, for every role on the squad. So, you know, like the objective opinion will be like Fugo understanding everything, every bit of context surrounding every one of the characters, you know, her being from a previous loop. Oh, right. Right. You know, she's talking about as far as them discussing who's going to join. Yeah. Right. That makes, that makes sense. Okay. So she understands the, yeah. The negators and right. Like you said, prior knowledge. Okay. And the mechanic's opinion will be Nico, of course. Mm-hmm. And he comes in hot, like, man, we don't got time to build a whole fucking rocket. I need 40 billion juons. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, that's the currency from Avatar, Legend of Korra. Is it? It is. Yuan, yeah. Oh. In Republic City, anyway. Um, the more you know. So, <laughs> uh... Damn, Nico's like, actually, we're probably gonna hit fifty billion. Um, he's like, you don't mind though, right, Fugo? She says, nah. 
ten billion is like fifty billion. That might still be a shit billion dollars. Um, you know, he's still brand new. That stop it, Coco. She's clawing my book. Okay. Um, bets. Book was like, all right. Uh, let's let's get it going. So, um, all three of them basically go ahead and select three candidates, and then they discuss it after the fact. So Foucault explains that we need a leader, a mechanic, and a striker, you know, an offensive person. Mm-hmm. So for Foucault, she says, uh, for a leader, Creed, mechanic, Nico, and striker, Void. Um, Billy says, Foucault for the leader. Again, Nico as a mechanic, and uh, Creed as his striker. Um, and then Nico says, um, also, Foucault to be the leader, the mechanic to be Ichigo, not himself, curious enough, and uh, also Creed as a striker. So um, just off the bat, like the people that that come up uh, more times than once is Nico, um, Creed, and Foucault. So that should already kind of tell you, like, who you know, those those are the ones that overlap. So most likely, those two characters are gonna go on the trip. Mm-hmm. But then they start breaking down like the reasons. Um, Fugo really admires uh, Creed's combat experience and uh, leadership in the field. She's seen it in action, and she thinks that's important for whatever they may end up dealing with um, in the space station. Um, it's it's funny because Nico picked Creed as his striker instead of being the leader, but kind of for similar reasons: combat acumen and also his actual. Um, negation ability means that they won't have to bring as many resources when it comes to like a shootout and not even just like for weapons but apparently for fuel as well for the rocket he says uh the blast off success rate will skyrocket um sure makes sense to me yeah i guess right um bam so Billy's like, all right, I'm on the same page as Nico. The only one I disagree with is you, Foucault. Basically, he's trying to let her know, like, look, you don't discount your leadership. You know, there's a reason Nico and I uh, think you'd be, like, you know, the right leader for this. Because, again, you have a background of knowledge and you've dealt with extraneous circumstances that just none of us are, are used to. So, you know, and plus you cool, calm, and collective. Um, anyway, they get down to talking about the strikers. Fugo mentions uh, um, that, you know, it's, that she definitely wants to bring a restrainer uh, with them in case there's like, uh, what do they say? For any anti-Uma combat. Although I don't know why you would need a restrainer for Uma specifically. I mean, Creed could just shoot it down and then they can take the head. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, she says how, you know, Gina's resting. They can't take Undraw. Even as incredible as a fighter she is, she might end up fucking the ship up and blowing them up. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so they decide, bet. All right, so we'll, we'll send. Uh... Um, well, they didn't get to decide. And then now they talk about Nico as far as, like, the mechanic goes. And he's like, you know, I like I absolutely want to go, but you know, um, the kid's life is on the line, and we should send the best mechanic or the best person, you know, possible to be a mechanic. And his argument is that uh, 
Tenen Chico is better than him because not only is she as good, if not better, of a mechanic class engineer, um, she also has that added ability of soul projection that can assist them where Nico doesn't have anything like that. You know, he doesn't have a negation ability yet. Mm-hmm. So, wow, maybe he'll develop it on this trip. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, like just simply she has more to offer on the line so that, you know, it's as bad as he wants to go, she should go in this place. And um, Fogo's like, nah, man, you got to understand. That's the reason you're the best, like you're the best fit because of how bad you want to save this kid. You have that much of a passion and you need that. Like, you know, just keep everything focused um, and, and remind them what they're there for. Yeah, Fuku goes and saying, "No, let's save him from the tragedy, born of science and negation together." Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, I think you're a great pick too." Boom, and uh, there we go. They are. Uh, we get a nice little two-page spread and graphic of uh, Fuku, Creed, and Nico in some spacesuits heading out to the space station. There's also a color page in the beginning of the same kind of situation in the spacesuits. It was very nice. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That was Undead Unlock this week. Chris, any thoughts? Whoo! This is a great chapter. Was. Honestly, my second place. Uh, this is just like cool to see them break down strategy like this and, you know, like talk out as to who should go and why and, you know, making full use of, I guess, their, their ensemble. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, this is another one of those examples where, uh, Yoshifumi seems to be using the benefit of the loop to get into uh get into deeper uh looks into the more tertiary characters um that appeared later in the story um that he probably didn't have time to really get into before. Um so yeah, this was just cool. Um I always lo- I always love that little mechanic in the story. Um it's it's a very unique thing. Uh but yeah, the the strategy was cool. I love this two page spread at the end. This little team is fun. It's a fun little mix up. I wonder if Billy is also going with them because he's also on the color page in his spacesuit. So I wonder if he's gonna just accompany them. Oh, but you know, Tella is there, and he's not going. So it just might be fun. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. I really enjoyed this chapter as a whole. Um. Nico's really stepped up as kind of like um as a great supporting character. He uh, sure has. Especially considering how little he was in the story before. Like he was always mm-hmm. around, but he wasn't like to this degree. Um Yeah, he was just that weirdo science guy. That's it. Yeah. Eccentric science guy. Yeah, eccentric science guy. But um yeah, this was this is just like so cool. And because it's so simple, you know? Uh it's simple in its premise where, you know, they're just they're just picking a team. But, you know, there's a lot of thought put into who goes and why. And uh, it all comes down to, you know, heart at the end of the day with Nico, you know. Yeah. Like, not only is Nico super competent and, you know, would be a perfect person to go because he's the science guy. But, you know, he also is the person that has the strongest passion out of all of them. Um, One thing I did notice, though, that made me laugh when I first saw it. Is when they're all looking at Nico, Fuko's vision goes over Apocalypse and at Nico. I don't know if you noticed the arrows. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that made me laugh a little. 
<laughs> but, like, I don't again. Like, he didn't have to do that, but he did. Is I appreciate the humor. Yeah, it's a cute little sight get. Like, uh, not you, Apocalypse. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not you. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's all I have to say about I'm Dead on Luck. It was great. I like this chapter a lot. Josh, what did you think? Um, I really, really enjoyed this chapter. Um, it's it's a too bad One Piece was so fucking dope because mm-hmm. this was definitely second place for me. But um, I want to point out how much I appreciated Nico um, taking offense to the experiment um, taking place. Um, I guess it it just made me think about I guess the medical field in general and to be. I can't speak of it in detail, um, but there, a lot of medical breakthroughs we've had in the past were like a result of heinous experiments, you know, done on people. Um, and, you know, when you talk about means justifying an end, right, it's, you'd like to think that, okay, you know, sure, these what happened was horrible, but these people didn't die in vain because they was able to help, you know, save a bunch of other people. But I don't, that doesn't really make sense to me because the whole point of medicine is to help people feel better. You know, tragedy happens and, you know, we never know when something new comes up, but we got to work hard to figure out a solution. I don't think it's, it doesn't make sense to me to subject people to harm and and risk killing them for experiments in order to save to potentially save people in the future you're harming people now to potentially save people that's you know backwards to me mm-hmm. i know we want to make sure that we we can you know create we want to be prepared for the future. You know, we no one wants to get caught off guard or like similar to like the pandemic or something like that, but not at the expense of people's lives right now like that. I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about that, man? Um, yeah, I mean, there's obvious examples of, you know, like in history, just, um, right. Of I mean, like just off the top of our head, right? Like you got the, the, the Tuskegee, uh, soldiers, yeah, obviously, uh, the black, you know, yeah, those, those black people that were experimented on. Yeah, that's definitely like not a it's definitely not ideal or a good thing at all. You know, like forcible human trials on folks. Um, um you know, universities in in America um, did a lot of it, like for a lot of like women's studies, like for uh, like they took a lot of black women. And uh, man, this I don't even want to get into all of that, but. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's happened outside of America. It's happened everywhere. Those, yeah. those are just, you know, the stuff I know off the top of my head. It's stuff that happened in America. Yeah, the thing is, like, it, it obviously, like, there's, you know, human trials for like a, for you know, medicines and stuff is like someone somewhat necessary as long as they're like voluntary. You know, like obviously, stuff like sure. the Tus- Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. That's obvious. People shouldn't be forcibly running human trials on folks, uh, and I am definitely not against that. I'm definitely against that for sure. Um, and I do, I do think that Nico, you know, Nico's like disdain here is very valid and reasonable. 
it's just it's just very sad you know you see like this guy who loves science and all stuff it reminds me of um senku you know nico is basically senku from from dr stone he just loves science and everything about it and he hates when it is like used in a more perverse way that infringes on people's rights and stuff um and this is what happens to this kid you know like these are probably like voluntary adults that have just kind of like dragged this kid into it because they were up there for so long and this kid was just born up there and he didn't mm-hmm. have a choice to be up there and be part of this experiment but there he was and this happened already like several times throughout several loops you know so this kid has technically suffered this like a hundred times so yeah Damn. it's definitely sad Yeah, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. It needs to end. Let's go, Fuko. Let's go, Fuko. Fix the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have any rebuttals, Josh? Um, no. Well, that yeah. was really the thing that stuck out the most. I'm, I'm, I'm we're gonna see. We're gonna see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm excited to see how this continues onward. Um, but yeah, we're we're done with our round with our roundup. Uh, there were only three series this week, so uh, but a strong week overall. Um, you know, Black Clover and My Hero were on break. I believe Horikoshi's not d- feeling well. Like oh, that's why he's been taking so many hiatus. Is hiatus I hiati? How do you say that? <laughs> what is the plural of hiatus? Um, but yeah, he's out and, you know, hiatus. no way. That's not how you say it. <laughs> Brian, is that really how you say hiatus? <laughs> the plural of hiatus? I don't know if there is a plural for hiatus, but I guess it is hiatus. Hiatus. Mm-hmm. That feels wrong. <laughs> Black Clover is off as well. Uh, I don't know if it's for the same reason or, you know, the guy just... Mangaka should just have a break every now and then, so I'm not against it either. Plural for hiatus. Hiatuses. <laughs> so it is hiatuses. Um, all right, well, with Black Clover and uh, My Hero Academia is out, I want to give Brian a chance to uh, give his thoughts. Brian, I read your thoughts for One Piece uh, on the show already. I don't know if you wanted to add to that at all, or if you had any like theories or whatever. But uh, you have the floor. I'll wait. Say again. Sorry, my uh, <clears throat> my interface is kind of bugging out. No, I said that uh, I read your thoughts for One Piece on the show already, but I wanted to uh, see if you had anything else to add to them. Uh, outside of what we already what what you what you sent us. Okay. Um, I think I had something else to say about Kuzan. Um, I thought it was interesting that he knew about Sword. Um, when it's supposed to be like this whole secret fucking division thing, but I guess you know since he was an ex admiral, he wouldn't have to know about it. Yeah, I would see him knowing about. Maybe there's a chance that he is a part of Sword. You know. Well, that's that's honestly. It's entirely possible. I can't hear anything you guys are saying. Oh, my fucking no, <laughs> dumbass thing. Damn, I'm sorry. I, I I'll try to 
I'll try to like catch it at a good point. But I think that's actually kind of an interesting point. If Aokiji was a sword member this whole time, that would be actually a pretty sick twist. Uh, Josh, do you have any? Yeah, like... yeah that would be cool. Um, anything else, Brian? Brian? <laughs> it's interface. Damn. This is a bummer. <laughs> it's always, it, uh, it's, uh, if it's not one thing, it's the other. Um, Brian, if you can hear us, uh, if you have any thoughts about Jujutsu Kaisen, you could get those in as well. One sec, guys. He's, mm. he's got this. He's got this. Interface is malfunctioning. Is it functioning? Oh, man. I, yeah, I don't want there to be a ton of dead air. So, um, there you go. Now I can hear you. Hey. Um, okay, cool, cool. Uh, I just wanted to, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Jujutsu Kaisen? That was a weird ass fucking chapter. Can we all agree how weird that <laughs> chapter was? Uh, I guess I wouldn't say weird, but um, I I enjoyed I it. Okay, like you it just was don't cool get, you just don't understand love. Yeah, you don't understand love, Brian. I still don't understand what the love whole is. like. Yeah, so is she? What is love? So, like, is she is supposed to be like a like? Is she using love as her cursed energy? Is that what it is? I don't think so. I think she just like just has a weird thing about love. Yeah, or, but they made it seem like it was a big deal in that like we he should have like there's no way he could have known about love. But it's like Yeah, Sukuna is just a beast, I think. Like when you're that strong, you understand everything no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Right? That's how that works. I think so. I think that makes sense. Um, it was cool to see Maharaga again. That was pretty cool. That's the name of the curse. Uh, that's the name of the Shikigami? Maharaga? Yeah, you didn't know that? I just didn't know the name. I knew what it was. I just like forgot the name. I remember it being a really long name. It kind of looks like Sukuna himself became Maharaga. If that makes any sense. With the way that it's drawn. Mm. It seems see. like he kind of swapped places with it. It looks a little freaky. I don't know if Which he did swap places. Really I thought it was just a dramatic summoning. Right? I brought that up too, Brian. I think uh, it was. In, it looks like he switched places with it. Yeah, because like we don't see Sukuna after Maharaga comes out. Yeah. No, it looks like he was like teleported outside of the domain. And the shadows can te technically teleport. Like we've seen that a little bit. That shit was cool. And. Um, a big reason why Maharaga was able to just destroy um her uh, domain expansion is because he's made out of positive cursed energy, I believe, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, so I think he's he kind of counters um a lot of cursed techniques because he's made out of positive cursed energy. So mm. he just automatically kind of shits on everybody. That's why he's so <laughs> strong. Yeah, I mean, he that's his whole thing is that like he just kills everybody. So th those are. I wonder how Megumi is going to bounce back from this. Um, and I wonder how much if he does get out of this situation. I wonder how much of Sakuna's um, 
like innovation for his curse technique is he going to carry over and start using for himself you know yeah let me, let me see something because i just pulled up it's uh it's uh wikipedia just to see maharaga maharaga uh is conjured with the user incantation rather than a form form a shadow puppet with their hands the user simply extends both arms at a slightly upward angle with their fist closed um that's an explanation of what it looks like the divine general has uh, possessed the ability to adapt any and all phenomena. If it is injured by a particular attack, the eight-handled wheel will turn, allowing it to adapt. If it if its adversary uses the same technique again, Maharaga will counter it. Additionally, Maharaga has the strength to shadow concrete or hit it, someone through multiple buildings with a single blow. It also wields the Sword of Extermination, uh, a blade that attaches to its forearm that it is enveloped in positive energy, making it effective against cursed spirits. So you're right about that one, Brian. It's the sword itself. Ah, okay. But not necessarily Maharaga. Dude, the way you explained it sounded like like when a kid is making up a scenario, you know, like <laughs> when they're making like a really strong person and then like you're like, oh no, I'll just shoot it with my gun. And it's like, no, no, actually, uh, it, it's like bulletproof. Yeah. It's like, all right, so I'll just blow it up with rockets. Like, right. oh, no, actually, it, it's just so strong that it can't get blown up. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like he can just break your domain. He just can break the spirit. He can. Yeah. Even though it's like they try to give. That's why I still feel like the explanation was left something to be desired because. Yeah, he said what that the curse spear was inefficient energy output like that it used too much but i mean it was still out there it's not your like it uses... like he ran out of too much curse then like like that it seems to me that the issue in that would be that it would it would run out quickly you know not that it wouldn't still be a super powerful attack yeah not making sense to me yeah no this not, is i wanted to just move on but no, I agree with you. Uh, I so think this is one of those things that sometimes Gaga doesn't really explain all that well. <laughs> Even though that's all they do. I yeah, yeah, you know, he either explains something well, very, very well or not well enough. So maybe we'll get an explanation in the first two pages of the next chapter. Probably, yeah. He likes. I feel like that. we're gonna end up swapping off from here. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll cut to something else from here. We're gonna get to Itadori. I'm pretty sure now. Yeah, and they're gonna be like, "Shit, what do we do now?" Yeah, we are up shit's creek without a paddle. Definitely. I just want to see Gojo come back already. <laughs> Bring uh, back Gojo, please, or Toto. I want to see Toto again too. Gojo, please return. Um. All right. Well, uh, were those all your thoughts on Jujutsu Kaisen, Brian? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to close the show out with uh, a couple of questions from Sketchy Mike. It's been a little bit, but since we've had a little bit of a short week this week, uh, we figured we'd get into it a tiny bit. Um, this is from way back in November. So uh, we are uh, a, a lot behind, but uh, I do want to catch up. Um, we have a couple of One Piece related questions and one Jujutsu Kaisen one. So that's kind of cool. Um. He he, uh, sketchy Mike asks. From what we've seen so far, how do you feel about the Egghead Island chapters in One Piece and how they compare to other arcs slash story sections? 
anybody this one. Oh yeah, go for it, Brian. Um, I think Egghead is such an odd fit compared to most arcs, if that like if you guys understand what I mean. Like it feels like no. It, it feels like it's not like an actual arc. It feels like a segue to me, and it's like a bunch of info dump and stuff. It doesn't feel like it's um, it's it's an. I don't know how like I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't feel like Wano. It doesn't feel like um, like Alabasta or CP9. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like a like a stepping stone kind of arc, right? Like an interlude. I agree. If that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense for sure. I think so, Oda, I, like, I feel like in this particular arc, Oda is multitasking. <laughs> yeah, not to say that this arc isn't fucking awesome because oh, it is. It's There's, in the best way possible, but yeah, it's bringing like a lot of shit. But um, this is a prelude to the final saga, if there ever was one. And I'm really excited to see what else comes out of this, you know, because we're getting not just a lot of revelations coming out of Egghead. We're getting a lot of revelations coming from all around the world, too. And um. This that alone makes um, this arc different because most arcs will kind of like deprave deprive you of what's going on in the rest of the world, right? Yeah. But this arc keeps you attached to the rest of the world while you're in Egghead, which doesn't ha- which hasn't happened in a while, I think. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you have uh, anything to add on to the que- to the answer or? Could you repeat the question again? He asks, uh, from what we've seen so far, how do you feel about the Egghead Island chapters in One Piece and how they compare to other arcs and story sections? Oh, yeah, I, I agree basically with both of you guys were saying. Obviously, Brian's saying most of it, but yeah. Um, the way he is sprinkling in the world building during this arc, like he, he usually has us like a little world building section in between arcs that he, he'll like kind of swap around through chapters but he's he's doing it while egghead is happening so it's it is interesting this is different mm-hmm. we are in new territory i mm-hmm. believe and i can't help but feel that this arc wouldn't be as good as it is now if we didn't have these kind of world building sprinkled in uh just because we were like removed from the rest of the world for how long five years or some shit with wano yeah pretty much with like barely any understanding of what's going on outside in the real world yeah um, outside of the tiny interlude chapters in between acts in wano but those are like one or two chapters at the most yeah i feel like this was this was a necessary a necessary aspect of this arc that really needed to be there um because you know uh Oda knows that the rest of the world is really fucking interesting and he can't keep it away from us forever. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, I agree with, with pretty much everything Brian said. It is a very different type of arc. We've had arcs where we've cut over to different places in the world, but not to this extent. Um, and, you know, I feel like Egghead is more about the world than it is about what the events specifically of Egghead are. You know, it That's is. True. I agree with that. It is just like rolling the dice and setting the 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 plot points in motion for what what's to come, because a lot a lot has gone down. Things things started moving really quickly after Wano, and uh, I love it for it. Um, so the second question is also related to One Piece, staying with the topic. What do you think about the crew's designs in this arc versus previous ones, and who has your favorite design? 
In my opinion, it's obvious Oda was down bad when he came up with Nami and Robin's outfits. <laughs> also, Brooke played himself in this arc by staying on the sunny. This was early on before Brooke got onto the island. Um, but sorry about that, Mike. But we finally got to it. Uh, now we have full outfits for pretty much every member of the Straw Hats, actually. So um, how do you, what do you guys think about the designs for the Egghead, uh, the Straw Hat designs? Uh, I think Zoro has the best trip out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think it's no contest. I feel like nobody else comes close to Zoro's, I like Usopp's. To Zoro's look. I think Usopp looks kind of cool. Usopp has the fucking, um, the fucking, like, vacation shirt, right? No, that's Sanji. Sanji has, like, a weird Hawaiian shirt with shorts. Oh, it's Sanji and Jinbei, right? Yeah, I... I don't actually. Yeah, let me see what they look like because I know there's a two page. Go back and look. Yeah, there's a two page spread somewhere with all of them. Uh, I'll I'll let you know if I find it. Um, but Luffy always has drip in every arc he's in, so you you can never uh, go be, wrong with Luffy. I'll be honest, I don't, I don't care for them swapping outfits in every arc. It's a little annoying. Really? What do you mean? Because I like certain characters' designs, and it's like the problem is that One Piece arcs are so long, usually. So it's we'll see them in this getup for a year, for like a year and change, and then so it feels like you only get to see them in their normal getup for like less time. It's <laughs> I don't know. Like even with Zoro, Zoro, in my opinion, is like like one of the best designs on the crew. Like it's really simple with the with the you know with the robe. Yeah, and, I found it on. Um, there's a two page spread on ten seventy four, uh, pages eight and nine that have like pretty much everybody. Um, yeah, I think Zoro probably has the best. Uh, I I, st- I stand by it. I like Usopp's. Um. I think Usopp looks cool. I like Usopp a lot too. I think that's my favorite Usopp. Uh, Frankie, I I don't hate. Like I, you know, this particular, I'm not like crazy about the Egghead Island ones, but you know, they're not bad or anything. But they're they're not among my favorite. I guess I I actually kind of like it when the crew like kind of changes to blend in with the island. Um, it's almost like Kingdom mm. Hearts in that way. You know, when you go to a, a, a mm-hmm. new world and. They look different. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that too. But yeah, Usopp and, and Zoro are my guys. Maybe Frankie in third place. Um, well, I will agree that uh, compared to most arcs, they are not the drippiest here on Egghead Island for sure. Yeah. Versus previous ones, yeah, it's not like my favorite. I feel like uh, I don't. He they really only started like super changing everybody's clothes during the New World. I don't think they really changed. No, they changed in Alabasta. They did change in Alabasta, but not really since. Like, I guess um, the the CP nine, the Ennis Lobby arc outfits, like Zoro's jacket combo thing, that was super cool. Uh, I love uh, Usopp's Thriller Bark look. That was cool. Oh yeah, they changed during Thriller Bark too, right? Yeah, yeah, most of them did. Um, you know, U- Usopp had like that cool like feather hat thing going. Oh yeah, I liked his design too. Thriller Bark. Yeah. 
but yeah, it, it's not uh, it's not my favorite uh, change. I feel like Frankie's look in Dress Rosa was cool. He had like the gun hair that I really liked. Um, <laughs> I just wonder what they're gonna wear in uh, Elbath. Probably Viking clothes, which would I guess be cool. Yeah, Nami and Robin's looks were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And they're barely. A lot of why did Jimbei and Luffy? I mean, why did Jimbei and Sanji get Hawaiian shirts? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> Me, I don't get that. I think I it makes sense that, for Jimbei, kind of, sorta, because that's kind of Jimbei's aesthetic is kind of a robe or something like that. I think it works in that regard. But Sanji, I guess it works for Sanji. But why not make it black? Everybody else's is black. Like, I don't know. That, yeah, Sanji and uh, not the aesthetic at all. Yeah, Sanji and Jimbei's is weird, but I feel like it fits better on Jimbei than it does Sanji. <laughs> Jimmy looks kind of yeah, cool. I I agree. The, you know, I don't. I'll tell you, I don't have an issue with any of those designs. No, not it's really. Just that it doesn't fit. Yeah, if we're like comparing and really judging, you know, being that picky or whatever, it is weird. <laughs> um, I feel like Sanji just wore his own shirt. He's like, I'm not wearing all that. And Jimbei's the same way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just weird that they both had the same one. You know what's funny? I like this same chapter. I'm seeing the moment where York was uh, frozen by uh, by Boa oh. Hancock's thing. You know, as per her plan. Mm-hmm. Damn, that was smart. <laughs> now that I'm looking back, I was like, "Damn, that was a really good plan." Because nobody even asks about her after that. They're just so panicked dealing with this Boa Boa Hancock thing. Anyway, I'm getting a little sidetracked. But, um, yeah, that's our question for that one. Uh, final question for the day. Um, he, I've been catching up to Jujutsu Kaisen and it ju- and just hit the start of the culling game. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen slowly climbing up the ranks of my favorite ongoing series. What is the rank for y'all and what do you see for the future of the series? Uh, does anybody want to tackle it first or should I? Wait, say, say uh, it which series? Uh, <clears throat> He said, "The I'm going to read it again. I've been catching up to Jujutsu Kaisen and just hit the start of the calling game. Jujutsu Kaisen is slowly climbing up the ranks of my favorite ongoing series. Where does it rank for y'all? And what do you see for the future of the series? Oh, Jujutsu Ooh, Kaisen. Um, um, I'd say it's... I say... Oh, shit. All right, if Hunter Hunter is not around, it's it's two. Mm. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like Jujutsu Kaisen has to be the most cause like next to One Piece, it has to be the most consistent manga I've ever read. I think like it's not often that Jujutsu Kaisen has like a bad chapter or um or isn't entertaining. Like Jujutsu Kaisen always has something to glean from every chapter, and um, its art is is unique and it's cinematic and it just prioritizes um fluidity and motion over detail and um and it pays off like it has some of the most unique action set pieces that most manga don't have or haven't been able to do because a lot of them focus on the on the on the flair of it you know on the looks and Similar to My Hero Academia, even though My Hero is extremely, like, even though the art is extremely well done, 
uh, Jujutsu Kaisen excels at making these set pieces feel grounded and real and gritty, you know? And I feel like it has huge fucking potential to be one of the best to ever do it, you know? Um, like a modern day Jujutsu Kaisen. I mean, not a modern day Jujutsu Kaisen. A modern day Hunter Hunter, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are my thoughts. I think I think it it could it could really get up there in the history in the history books. Um Josh, do you have any uh, thoughts or do you want me to go first? Um yeah, I, they're pretty quick. So I'm not sure what, if I can give Jujutsu Kaisen a number rank, but I will say this, as far as the future goes, um I'm looking forward to continue to read the series, but it does make me a little upset that um, he plans to end it relatively soon. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of a lot of authors had that mindset when they, you know, going with their story that it's you know only going to be so long, and then you know, circumstances kind of extend in the life of the uh, manga. But I don't know. I think this one. I think there is a point he's getting to. And it seems like it's much more realistic that we'll get a part two or some other spinoff to Jujutsu Kaisen before he just extends it just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's more. I think it's more profitable that way too. Um, not that I can really speak on it. So, but um, Jujutsu Kaisen is in right now my top three favorites. I can't count Hunter X Hunter right now. It's, it's on hiatus. That's just how it works. Um, but you know, World Trigger, One Piece, Jutsu, you know, it's, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's top three. Yeah, I mean, hey, I can't say much more than that. I I actually agree. Uh, you know, if you listen to the show for an exper- any extended period of time, Jujutsu Kaisen is one of the more consistently praised ones. Um, and it's one of those ones that I'm actually very excited to like talk about on the show. Because there's just like a lot of detail to this show to to really discuss, and I think the the power system is among the more interesting that I've read in a long time. Uh, you know, there's just so much going for Jujutsu Kaisen, and it's like it's one of those things that's like it's simple in like overall plot, but it's so complex at the same time. Um, you know, like if you dig dig into the layers of what everything means, and you know, lore and you know, technique, all that stuff, it's uh, it's a fun series to read. You know, uh, yeah. it's 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 funny because like there's a, the the way they talk about techniques is almost like kind of like athletic or scientific type of thing. You know, like you yeah. don't. It's not just who has the best powers win. It's just kind of the application of any given attack. Right, like it matters. Like it matchups matter, like uh first ability types. Mm-hmm. You know, you the strongest sorcerers are probably the ones that can where their abilities are most applicable in various circumstances. Like the the most um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Versatile. Yeah. It's also what affinity for versatile. Yeah, it's also like affinity for it, you know, like there's people who are just like perfect matches for their techniques. You know, you have mm-hmm. like Hikari is like the perfect example. 
where like his power could be a huge detriment to himself, but he is also just naturally weirdly a lucky guy. So things just kind of work out for him. Yeah, I feel like Kakari's like um, curse technique was the start of the series kind of truly like expanding its horizons when it comes to um, like the limits of curse technique, you know? Mm-hmm. How like abstract that, they can get. Yeah, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Hikari's is the most similar to Nen that I've ever seen. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I For agree. Sure. And because Nen is so specific, it is like it can be anything. Yeah. Well, it's so unspecific. Well, like, it's the, the like bil- the abilities become specific, but there's just no limit anything that happens. Like, so, you know, sorcery. Yeah. It's just like a rigid power system. It's just fun to read. It's just got, it's like reading. It's hard to explain how it is to read these explanations for abilities, but um, it's always just fun to read. And uh, that's why I would put it pretty high. And I think, you know, obviously has the potential to be one of the greats of all time. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it has necessarily a year left, like uh, Akutami says, but you know, it could be more, and I hope so. It is. So I hope so. It is too. I I guess it's a weird way to say it, but I hope so. It is. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where we rank it. I guess um, that's where it compares. I don't have a number rank for it either, but it is up there. It is one of the series I'm very excited to read week to week and talk about on the show. So yeah, um, you guys have any rebuttals? Anything else to add? Nopers. All right. Well, then. I don't have any stratagems. No stratagems for me either. So um, let's wrap it up. Uh, That has been our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, as per usual, and for, again, sticking with us for our audio only era of the show. Um, I'll probably be uploading everything we've been recording up to now on our YouTube channel, but they won't have like a very strong video component to it. It'll just be like. Um, probably just a thumbnail on the audio if that works for you if you're just like having YouTube stuff going in the background like I do sometimes um, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll be uploading those relatively soon um, but until then um, you could find me at the Chris Aspinall on Twitter and Instagram Josh at JD Cole underscore 37 on Instagram at New Jump City Josh on Twitter Brian at B.ESP on Twitter and Instagram uh, you can also catch him where he's streaming on twitch.tv slash it's punchline. Follow the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Uh, email us at newjumpcitypod at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, anything you guys want us to talk about. Uh, keep them coming because I think like we're coming up on being current. I think we have like maybe one or two emails left uh, until we're caught up with Mike's questions. So. Nice. Um, I am. I do want to uh, stock up again. He is. He is sending us a bunch. <laughs> so we have. We have a little bit going on. Uh, well, we actually have a little bit more than I thought. But still, send them. Whatever. Fuck it. We'll get to it when we get to it. We'll probably like try to fit in a bit more of these question corners as we go forward. Uh, so email us. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, please. Uh, don't let the algorithm forget about us. We we need it. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. We will be back next week. Stay safe, New Jump citizens. Peace.